Welcome to episode 69 of the GTO on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 15 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is fellow analyst Anshul Sag. Let's get started with my first topic. Uh, both Anshul and I were uh, with Qualcomm uh, last week for their Smart Cities Accelerate event, and uh, it, was, uh, it was quite packed first day agenda with, you know, uh, sort of a keynote slash panel with Cristiano um, Armand um, and other guests. I'll let Anshul, you know, come on that in a second. But, you know, from my perspective, my big takeaway was, I, I'm you know, they've been at it, Qualcomm's been at it for three years now, they stated. Um, they've built an ecosystem that uh, includes over 400 partners. And uh, last week, they announced a, a series of end-to-end -end solutions uh, that cover 30 plus verticals. And, you know, I'm, I'm really impressed just with the amount of progress they've made in such a short amount of time, given traditionally IoT has been very fragmented from a standards perspective and competing um, standards perspective. So when you look at the range of like, you know, BLE beacons to Wi-Fi enabled IoT devices, you know, to obviously LTE and 5G, you've also got LoRaWAN in the mix, but you know, I think this really points to just, you know, the strength that, that, that Qualcomm can bring to a focus. And, you know, the, um, you know, just at a high level, um, some of the, the solutions they demonstrated that actually Qualcomm uses today at their campus headquarters is quite impressive. But what, what were your thoughts? It was, it was an interesting two-day event. I think you and I only attended the first day because Right. A lot of the second day was redundant meetings, but um, I did think it was interesting that they involved uh, JLC infrastructure, which includes Magic Johnson, mm -hmm. um, which was uh, interesting. And it was interesting to hear about him, how he and his partners are, um, you know, using their their knowledge in infrastructure over the years to better um, society while also making money and not being really abashed about it. Right. Um so I think it's I think it's a positive thing there, um, and you know a lot of the talk around five G was around building access <clears throat> and using CBRS as that that anchor for connectivity, whether it's being used to enable smart city applications or just to give people access to to internet service that maybe don't have it today, or at right. least make it accessible in terms of pricing. So. Um, it's very interesting to see how this is moving forward. And to your point, um, this is really the first time I'm seeing Qualcomm really deliver a complete solution um, for cities rather than try to offer a platform and hope that somebody will pick it up and integrate it. So, um, yeah. you know, the, the skin in the game is on both sides now. And I think that, you know, with Qualcomm partnering with cities rather than treating them as a customer um, and using using it as more of a, you know, a partnership um, when they do these deployments, I think it's going to benefit them in the long term. I agree. And you and I collaborated on a Forbes article that we'll be posting shortly after we post this podcast. And so um, if you're interested, um, you can, you know, follow Anshul or I um, on Twitter and uh, we'll have a link there. We'll also do that on LinkedIn as well. But let's move to your first topic this week. And I caught this news as well. 
Dish is going to be offering a new phone and they're taking an interesting approach with respect to bundling service with it, right? Yeah, so this phone is uh, specific for Boost Mobile, um, which they acquired when uh, Sprint was acquired by D-Mobile. Mm -hmm. um, and basically what it is, it's a, um, a $280 phone um, with 5G capabilities. Uh, and it has a MediaTek um, 6 or actually 7,000 Dimensity chip, um, which allows it to be fairly inexpensive. Um, and they're also offering uh, 12 months of free unlimited talk, text, and data capped at 35 gigs per month. Mm -hmm. um, and it's an interesting model because it's really designed to try to incentivize users to move over to 5G as fast as possible mm -hmm. um, and to do it at a very affordable price point. Um, and it's going to be interesting because they're using um, band 66 and 71, which are uh, AWS and 600 megahertz bands, meaning that it will, you know, have pretty good coverage. Um, but what will be interesting is to see how these devices will be used long-term as, um, as DISH starts to transition their um, MNO network over to AT&T. So um, we'll see what ends up happening in terms of spectrum and bands and, and bandwidth for DISH customers. Um, but it is really interesting to see them coming out with their own 5G phone specifically for Boost customers. Yeah, you know, and we've talked about DISH in the past and they're going to have to be differentiated with respect to their go-to-market relative to, you know, the other established, you know, tier ones in the United States. And, um, and like, this isn't anything like mind-blowing, but it is, it is a different, you know, approach um, for a prepaid um, scenario. You know, and I, I believe I read a stat that um, based on not only Boost, the Boost acquisition, but they've been picking up a few other MVNOs that they've got nearly a million customers out of the gate when they launch their 5G network that they can potentially go cross market to. So I, I think it's a smart move and I think we'll see more differentiated strategies from them. I'm looking forward to seeing what they offer from an enterprise perspective, because as we've discussed in the past, that's where I believe the most transformative 5G use cases are gonna occur. But with that, let's move to my second topic this week. And I wanna talk about British Telecom. Um, they've been very focused on um, drone applications and um, they recently announced um, a, a pilot that they conducted at a port. You know, and when I spend time in Europe, it seems like all of the operators in Europe are super excited about the, the applications of, uh, of 5G technology within a port. When you talk about just, you know, monitoring all the volume of containers that are coming in and out and just all the logistics that are required. Drones can be an important part of that. You know, one of 5G's superpowers is obviously low latency. And you need that to, to be able to have that tactile operation um, of the drone, also for, uh, for video and, and that sort of thing. I know you're a, a drone aficionado. You like, to, you like to fly your drones. Um, but I think this is pretty impressive. Uh, BT is also leading a, a project Accelerate. And it's sort of a kind of a consortium in Europe that is focused on creating the first uh, drone zone where drones and you know, commercial and consumer you know, aircraft um, can coexist. So it seems like you know, BT, you know, and I'm impressed because most of the European operators from my perspective, like EE and others, 
with the exception maybe of, you know, Telefonica, um, they've been very focused on access and just pushing the 5G service out. And, you know, BT really seems like they're focused on, you know, a pretty discrete use case that could be of high value. So don't know if you have any other input you'd like to add there, but would love to hear. Yeah, I would say that um, I think because BT is more of like a legacy telecom company, they have a lot more like enterprise um, and governmental customers. So I think they just have more visibility into what enterprise use cases might be. Yeah. versus what, um, you know, consumer focused services might be That's by point. other carriers. Yeah. No, that's a great point. That's an excellent point. Well, hey, let's move to your second topic this week. And you want to talk about, um, I mean, Samsung Networks has been very busy. It seems like you and I, you know, we, we get updates almost daily on things they're doing, but they recently conducted a millimeter, what, was it a, a millimeter wave trial in, in a particular subway? What were the details on? Yeah, so they were testing out millimeter wave, specifically 5G millimeter wave, as a backhaul for a Wi-Fi network using um, Samsung's 5G compact macro. Um, And basically what they're able to achieve um, is 1.8 gigabits per second uh, over this Wi-Fi network using 5G millimeter wave as the um, backhaul for these Wi-Fi access points. And they're able to do uh, that on an S21 Ultra, which if I had it here, I would show you, but I, ha- I don't know where I put it. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> what's interesting is uh, previously, they were getting about 71 megabits per second in the sole Wi-Fi zone that they had pre-installed in the subway. And yeah. then they upgraded it um, using a uh, 5G millimeter wave backhaul with 800 megahertz in the 28 gigahertz band. And boom, they went from 71 to 1.8 gigabytes or gigabits, which is uh, 25 times faster. That's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> That's and huge. It's running, you know, as long as you have line of sight um, and you might not even need line of sight in a subway because you can just get it to bounce down the tube. But, um, you know, they're able to get good signal and they don't have to, you know, drop any more fiber. They don't have to, um, you know, dig, which is not ideal in a subway at all. Um, So, yeah, it's really interesting. And hopefully we can see more of this happening in subterranean applications. Yeah, you know, and you know, there's, there's no question that, you know, 5G will support autonomous, you know, operations of, you know, not only vehicles, which has been a big child use case, but I mean, you know, bullet trains, locomotives, subways, and obviously subways are challenging areas because they're underground. There's a lot of metal. Um, and, you know, to your point, you know, you know, with millimeter wave, there's probably a way, and there, there are lots of companies that are that are figuring out ways, you know, to repeat signals and that sort of thing with small cells. So it is a definitely an interesting application. We'll definitely keep our um, eyes and ears open on that and report back on future podcasts. But let me hit my third and final topic this week. And AT&T and Corning announced a fiber deal. And I think this is really important. I mean, there's no question that, um, we are continuing to see, you know, supply chain um, shortages and challenges. Um, AT&T has made some pretty bold um, statements with respect to investing in fiber. 
uh, in the neighborhood of uh, tens of billions of dollars a year annually. And so this, uh, this announcement basically corning is stating that um, they're going to open production, I believe, uh, or additional production in North Carolina. They're going to invest over $150 million um, to start producing more uh, fiber optic cable. And they believe it's going to create over 200 jobs. So um, this is a win-win in a number of different, you know, uh, areas. You know, one job creation, it probably leads to even more jobs in 200 um, down the road. But certainly this will allow AT&T to maintain, um, you know, its commitment to uh, deploying fiber. And, you know, where this is really going to help them, obviously, is uh, from a backhaul perspective, when, when you look at, you know, what they're doing with their 5G deployments, as well as um, supporting and growing their footprint with their, their multi-gig broadband service, which um, I happen to have recently had installed. Um, I'm demoing it for six months, and I got to tell you, I'm quite impressive with the speeds um, that I'm seeing in my home. So I don't know if you had any further comment here, but would love to hear it. No, I think it's it's a positive announcement. I think they're going to need that kind of um, capacity if they're really going to ramp their their fiber uh, deployments as they've been claiming they will be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I used to be a fiber customer, and you know, it's a really good service. Um, yeah. I, I have no no ill things to say about it. It's been very reliable, extremely fast. I hope everybody has access to that kind of internet service because yeah. right now, you know, I I moved to a place where I have copper and I'm paying basically double for uh, the same speeds, but also no upload. So it, it's yeah. it's just not as good of an experience. So I think everybody should have access to fiber. And if AT&T is really serious about this, um, you know, I think that it's gonna be um, a real net positive, especially when you look at every new development I see here around here in San Diego basically is AT&T fiber enabled. Yeah. Um, so when I'm, I'm actually really shocked when I see a new development and it doesn't have AT&T fiber. So mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's kind of the core of what I'm seeing their strategy being that a lot of their new customers that they're bringing online are new, new developments. Yeah. Um, and they'll have more dense housing. So they're able to justify the fiber rolls out to, you know, a single complex because there's hundreds or thousands of units in one complex. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's impressive when you talk about the broadband. I mean, you know, AT&T's broadband business is a $10 billion business. You know? So, I mean, uh, it's, 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 you know, it's no question, you know, there's no, you know, question as to why they're, they're making these huge investments in fiber. And this deal will certainly allow them to continue that momentum again in light of, you know, some, you know, short-term supply chain challenges. But let's move to your third and final topic this week. And you want to talk about drones as well, but you want to talk about New York. Yeah, so New York State has been one of the few states that's really been pioneering with uh, drone development. Um, and they just announced that there will be a 50-mile corridor, which is a 100-square-mile testing zone. Uh, and this will be the first in the nation uh, network, uh, specifically for uh, testing unmanned aircraft, as is, as in there is, will be 5G service uh, along this entire network between Syracuse and Rome. Um, and it will basically allow, you know, startups and other um, companies in the drone industry to test their drones in a commercial application. Um, and, you know, improve their capabilities beyond line of sight. 
um, which is something that we saw at the uh, Qualcomm Smart Cities event was some drone testing. Yeah. Um, and they talked about different drone applications over 5G and mm -hmm. how, you know, there's there's full automation in these um, drones nowadays. And the thing is, is that the state has also invested over $70 million in these drones programs. Um, and they have a, uh, a, a company, um, I believe it's called um, uh, U something. But um, basically they have multiple um, consortia um, and they have a new air, which is a nonprofit, which is the one that's running this. Um, so they have a lot of companies and organizations involved in, in making sure that this becomes an industry for the state. And I'm hoping to see other states follow New York's lead. Yeah, you know, th this is cool, you know, and it's very similar to that project uh, Accelerate that I was referring to early in Europe. So Europe and the U.S. are focused. I am surprised that it's happening in New York when you think about the density of the population and their ability to be able to carve out this, you know, this sort of, you know, flight zone. Um, I would expect that it's going to happen in Texas. I mean, we, we call ourselves in Austin, the Silicon Hills to the Silicon Valley. And, um, and certainly, you know, we, we have, you know, Tesla and SpaceX here in Texas now. And, uh, I, and I read just this morning that, you know, with press releases being issued, saving Austin, Texas for Tesla, that they may be moving their headquarters here you know, soon. So I would expect companies like SpaceX you know, and Tesla um, will be investing in that sort of thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that actually in my hometown you know, soon. But you know, you know, drones have been you know, another one of these poster child use cases like along with autonomous driving. And um, certainly if you think about it, um, the applications are limitless, right? From you know, inspection, uh, detection, you know, without having to put people on, you know, ladders and scaffolding and, and that sort of thing. It's more efficient, it's easier. And, you know, and obviously the consumer applications. I mean, I think everyone, you know, has been, you know, they've seen these, uh, these drone deliveries, you know, like getting your Domino's pizza via drone, and, you know, getting your prime, you know, Amazon, you know, deliveries via drone. I mean, it, it's probably not too far off in the next, you know, you know, three to five years, but, uh, Hey, another great podcast, my friend. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insights on a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Will Town Tech, and I'm at Anshal Sog. We hope you have a great weekend, and please tune in again next week.